Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number 20 of Genesis chapter 1. We're going to be reading verses 20 through 23. And God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that has life, and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created great whales, and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let fowl multiply in the earth. And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. Now in our last study, we saw how the statement here in Genesis 1 verse 20, let the waters bring forth abundantly. And then in verse 21, in the middle of the verse, it says, which the waters brought forth abundantly, that the waters typify the word of God, the gospel that brings salvation. And that's why it sounds as though the waters are creating the creatures. The, the way that it's stated, let the waters bring forth. Uh, and the reason is once we understand the waters represent the word of God or Christ and the creatures that come forth abundantly are pictures of God's elect that are saved through Christ or through the gospel of God, the the gospel of salvation, then, uh, of course, it's the waters that create. As we know that when God saves a person, they become a new creature. As, as King David besought the Lord in Psalm 51, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Or, as it says in Second Corinthians chapter 5, Verse 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So the word of God creates a new creature in the spirit when we become born again. And and that's what this is illustrating at the very beginning of the creation. Let the waters bring forth abundantly, and we looked at that word, abundantly, and uh, we saw that it's the same word that's found in Ezekiel 47, and in uh, verses 8 and 9, Then said he unto me, These waters issue out toward the east country, and go down into the desert, and go into the sea, which, being brought forth into the sea, the waters shall be healed. And it shall come to pass that everything 
that liveth which moveth. And the word moveth is abundantly. Whithersoever the river shall come shall live. And there shall be a very great multitude of fish, because these waters shall come thither, for they shall be healed, and everything shall live, whither the river cometh. Here in Ezekiel 47, God is giving um, a, a good, vivid picture of salvation, the waters that flow forth from him, and wherever the waters go, they bring life abundant life. The the waters are, again, showcasing, pointing to the gospel of God that went out into the world as God saved all of those predestinated unto salvation. And even in the time of the Great Tribulation, that short little season, in the second part of the Great Tribulation, God saved a great multitude. He saved abundantly, and it was the sending forth of the waters. That's what the latter rain is, is the waters falling down from heaven, and the waters um, are, are typifying the word of God that saves. Well, that's the reason here for this language. Now, another interesting thing in these verses in Genesis 1 in uh, verses 20 and 21. Let's read verse 21. And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly. The living creature is literally living soul. It's the Hebrew word nephesh, um, 53.15 in Strong's Concordance. That, that's translated here, living creature, and it should be translated a living soul. It's the same word that's in Genesis 2 and verse 7. And Jehovah God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. That's the same word that's in um, Genesis 1.21. And we can see how God is typifying these creatures as men, as he does at various places in the Bible. And again, Jesus told the disciples, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And and with that statement, the Lord was setting up a parabolic picture of the creatures of the sea, the fish that live in the sea as typifying men. And and so the waters bring forth the living creatures and they bring forth abundantly because God has a plan to save a great many people over the course of um, the whole history of the world. And uh, let, let's just um, talk about one other thing that you may have noticed in reading verse 21 of Genesis chapter 1, and that is that the, it says God created great whales and every living creature that moves, and he says after their kind and every winged fowl after his kind, but for some reason whales are mentioned by name 
and we don't find um, other animals mentioned. God doesn't specify other types of sea creatures or specifically the type of fowl, but he does mention whales. And, and we wonder why does the Lord specify that he created great whales? And I, I don't know if I know the answer, but we'll take a look at the word whales. And, and it's um, 8577 in the Hebrew of Strong's Concordance. And it's translated as whales, dragons, and serpents at times in the Bible. It's the word that we find in Psalm 148, verse 7. Praise Jehovah from the earth, ye dragons, and all deeps. So the word dragons is the word whales. And it's translated as dragon also in Ezekiel chapter 29, verse 3. Speak and say, Thus saith the Lord Jehovah, Behold, I am against thee, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, the great dragon that lieth in the midst of his rivers, which has said, My river is mine own, and have made it for myself. Now, that's very significant because we know Pharaoh is a type of Satan, and God is calling Pharaoh the great dragon that lieth in the midst of his rivers. And we know from the New Testament, in the book of Revelation, in chapter 20, that one of the names of Satan is a a, a dragon. It says in Revelation 20, verse 2, And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. And the same word, whales, is translated as serpent and dragon. And Pharaoh's a type and a figure of Satan called the great dragon. Uh, it It's not just here, but also in Isaiah 27 and in verse 1, it says, In that day Jehovah with his sore and great and strong sword shall punish Leviathan, the piercing serpent, even Leviathan, that crooked serpent, and he shall slay the dragon that is in the sea. And the word dragon is the word translated as whales. Uh, except this is singular here. And Isaiah 27.1 is uh, without question referring to God slaying Satan. And and so Satan is figured by the whale, or, or by this word translated as whale in Ezekiel 32, verse 2. Son of man, take up a lamentation for Pharaoh, king of Egypt, Again, Pharaoh is a type and figure of Satan. And say unto him, Thou art like a young lion of the nations, and thou art as a whale in the seas. And thou camest forth with thy rivers, and troublest the waters with thy feet, and foulest their rivers. And then God goes on to speak of the judgment he will bring upon him. But we we can see from these verses that this word, this word does relate to Satan. And 
why in in the beginning does God uh, point out he created great whales and 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 then he goes on to mention uh, other creatures and every winged fowl and so forth well it it could be that God is just indicating that Satan has been created. Now, Satan isn't a whale, and he's not a dragon, he's not a serpent. And he was a, a good angel. And an angel is a created creature also. Now, God isn't speaking of creating angels here, but through this uh, figure, uh, God did create some great sea monster, and it, oh, this word's also translated as sea monster, he created a great creature, probably the whale uh, that that we see in the seas today. But with creating the whale and then uh, uh, stressing that he did create the whale, uh, it it very well could be that God is indicating that he created Satan, uh, who originally was created good, as we uh, we. We know that God uh, does say at the end of verse 21, and God saw that it was good. So the the whale was a good creature, and the angels, all of them, initially were good creatures, good angelic beings. And and there was no uh, evil, no sin of any kind in them when created, There was no corruption in any creature of God when created. And here we are on the fifth day. God is creating and and everything so far is very good. Very uh, pure and holy and righteous. and, And there is no sin, no transgression, no rebellion against God in any way of by anything that he has created. Now, um, let's let's go on to verse 22 of Genesis 1. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let fowl multiply in the earth, and the evening and the morning were the fifth day. And again, the fifth day, number five, points to atonement, which we've seen by the command, let the waters bring forth, that God is pointing to. He's illustrating his gospel plan, which is a plan of applying the atoning work of the Lord Jesus Christ from the foundation of the world to those that Christ died for. And and so too here with this statement, be fruitful. Well, well first of all, God bless them. He, he blessed the creatures and, and said, or saying, be fruitful and multiply. And once again, this is prefiguring God's salvation program. The, the blessing of God points to salvation. It says in Psalm 133, in verse 3, as the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there Jehovah commanded the blessing, 
even life forevermore. That's what blessing is. Now, there's earthly blessings of various kinds, but but ultimately, when we read in the Bible that someone is blessed, and if the spiritual thing that that's pointing to is life forevermore. And it's the opposite of being cursed. God has cursed the sinner, and the sinner will die. He'll cease to be. He'll cease to exist. God has blessed his people, the elect. They will live forevermore. And and that um, is what is in view here. God bless them. This is the blessing of God pointing to eternal life, saying, be fruitful and multiply. Now, this was the promise that God would later give to Abraham in Genesis 17. It says in um, verse 4 and following, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee, and I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. See, God is is giving the promise to Abraham that that he will have a son, and he will be very fruitful, exceedingly fruitful, so that there will come nations from him. At, at one point, God tells him to look at the stars of heaven, and that his seed will be as the stars for multitude. And we we understand this in the Bible to be a reference to Christ and his people. Christ is the seed singular, but all those that God saves are in Jesus or in the seed and counted for the seed. And and so the promise to be exceeding fruitful is a promise that points to spiritually God's elect and and when they will become saved. Uh, it's the promise that God reiterated to Jacob in Genesis 35. It says in verse 10, And God said unto him, Thy name is Jacob. Thy name shall not be called any more Jacob, but Israel shall be thy name. And he called his name Israel. And God said unto him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall be of thee, and kings shall come out of thy loins. And the land which I gave Abraham and Isaac to thee I will give it, and to thy seed after thee will I give the land. The Lord changed Jacob's name to Israel to point to spiritual Israel, all the company of the elect. Now, further on in Genesis, in Genesis 47, it says in verse 27, And Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt, in the country of Goshen. And they had possessions therein, and grew, and multiplied exceedingly. 
the word grew is Strong's number 6509, translated as fruitful in Genesis 1, verse 22. So Israel in the land of Egypt was fruitful and multiplied exceedingly. Um, in Exodus 1, uh, it says in verses 6 and 7, And Joseph died, and all his brethren, and all that generation, and the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceeding mighty and the land was filled with them. And we know what happens from there. What develops is once Israel has multiplied sufficiently, abundantly, then God sends the deliverer. God sends Moses to uh, tell Pharaoh to set the, chil- the children of Israel free. And finally, Pharaoh does, and all Israel is delivered. The, the exceeding multitude, or the, the great abundance of Israel that had become fruitful and multiplied in the land of Egypt, come out of Egypt at one time. And, Egypt is a picture of the world under the rule of Pharaoh, a type of Satan. And all Israel is picturing God's elect. And again, on May 21, 2011, God set all spiritual Israel free by saving the great multitude. The last of spiritual Israel held captive to sin and to Satan in the world. And and all the elect came out in a figure at once and at the same time. And, and so the, the command to be fruitful and multiply has the spiritual dimension of bringing forth the elect. Send forth the gospel that they might be found and saved and be spiritually fruitful spiritually abundantly fruitful insofar as the salvation of God's elect is concerned. But of course, that command has a physical, moral aspect to it, which is that uh, mankind was to have children. Whether saved or unsaved, God commanded his creatures, and and God commanded the animals this too, be fruitful and multiply. He commanded the sea creatures, fill the seas. And he commanded man, because later when Noah comes out of the ark, mankind receives the same commandment from God, be fruitful and multiply and and fill the earth. And And that is the command of God, and that's why efforts to not, produce children like birth control or abortion or uh, any anything along those lines are contrary to the commandment of God to be fruitful and multiply. They go against the will of God for mankind that man is to produce children. The commandment of God to be fruitful and multiply has never been rescinded and remains in effect. Even today, the command remains in effect 
If anyone is qualified in marriage, then they are to leave the the bearing of children to God. A man and a woman who enter into marriage are commanded by God, be fruitful and multiply, and are not to hinder God's creative work as, as he would create a child if it was according to his will in that marriage relationship if God wanted them to be fruitful on a physical level, just as God has operated that way ever since the beginning. He continues to operate that way. No interference should be done by man. And it's man's tendency to rebel against God and and to think he knows better than God and and therefore he interferes and says, "Oh, I'm not ready. I don't have enough money, or uh, I don't have a house yet, or or whatever it is, whatever the reason is." And so man um, thinks that he can have planned parenthood, and he can map out and determine when he will and when he won't have children, and that is contrary to God's commandment to be fruitful and multiply. And, of course, the child of God does not interfere with that process. If a believer is married, and then they trust God, they they trust God concerning all things, including when it, it is the will of God for them to have a child. And... It, in a qualified marriage, or of course, once, uh, speaking of when you first enter in, the child of God will, will leave it to God. Now, everyone, whether saved or unsaved, should leave it to God because that's according to the commandment of God. But uh, typically, only the true believers, only the elect, have a desire to, to do God's will and will want to do God's will, and therefore will leave when they have children to God. And it may be that uh, one child or two or three come, and you don't seemingly have the funds or have the the ability to take care of the children. And, and what are you to do? Trust God. The Lord will provide. That's what the children of God do, and... And so the the parents try uh, all they can to provide, praying to God for help. Help us, O oh Lord, and and continue to allow God to govern their lives and for God's will to be done in that area as well as every other area. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.